Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Final move. Realest guys in the room. How you doing? Do I have everybody's attention now? Hello and welcome back to the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, the one and only Scotty Wrestling. And this week we have a very special episode as I will be talking the Mayui Watani versus Takumi Aroha match, the finals of the G1 Climax, the farewell of the New Day, and plenty more, including Hell in a Cell predictions. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And we're going to jump right in to Mayui Watani versus Takumi Aroha because... I have a lot to say about it, and uh, I already watched it twice. That's how that's how good it was. So I'm going to give you that little uh, spoiler before we really jump in here, which is right now. I knew going into this match it was going to be very good. At the very least, it was going to be very good. And I know that because I watched the match earlier this year. I believe it was in January. I could be wrong. But that match was the match of the year. To me, that was the match of the year. And then, I watched this one. And I'm sitting here, I've already watched it twice. And I I don't know if I can say it's better because of the crowd. Because the crowd, you know, they have to be held down, per se, because of COVID um, rules. So, I'm not going to necessarily just jump out and say... It was better. Uh, I still have, I'm going to rewatch both of them back to back, and that'll really give me an opinion. But it was so good. If it's not, if it's not the best match of the year, it's number two right behind the original. Like these two are a different like breed of professional wrestler. They're to me the two best in the world um, when it comes to just in ring ability. Like these two already had a match of the year caliber match and what did they do they topped it do you know how difficult that is and now people are going to say well uh kenny you know okada did it well no this is different because what takumi and mayu did was they did it but they didn't have to go 45 minutes like that's the greatness of these matches they went I don't even know how i don't know how long necessarily this match went but it was had to be like 20 25 minutes and it was so good, and the win- and the uh, pinfall came out of nowhere. And in this one specifically, this is the match we're talking about, they brutalized each other. Uh, Tehumi had this shiner on her face that I was, like, p- terrified about because I was like, oh, that looked like it hurt. And I saw, I remember the kick that had happened from Mayu. Um, it was brutal. It was kick-ass wrestling from beginning to end between just two great professional wrestlers. And that's, I think, that's the perfect recipe to a great match you put two great professional wrestlers in there to tell a story and that's what they do that's what i watch them do and it's my favorite match of october it's my it's gonna be up there when i get to the end of the year and i really you know make a list out there's a good chance these are back to back either way uh 
I love this match. I loved every single thing about it. And I can't I can't tell you guys enough how much I want you all to go watch this because I I spent my whole week last week talking about stardom for the most part and that was one probably my favorite show yet. And I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm gonna keep giving you guys reasons to watch until you watch it because it's a different world of professional wrestling. If you watch WWE, if you watch AEW, even if you watch New Japan, it's just different. Joshi style so different, and it feels like you have to be top notch to be even considered, even considered uh, part of the Joshi culture. And there's so many different companies that I've learned about. Uh, Marvelous, which is Takumi's, you know, she's the ace of that. Uh, and then you get, you know, you get Stardom, and there's a bunch of other ones. See, uh, I can't name them all, so I'm not going to. But Stardom is the one I jumped into because I knew the I knew the past with EO, and I knew the uh, some of the present, and it's really captured me. It's opened my eyes as a wrestling fan. I think it will for you guys too. And if you guys need a starting point, there's your two matches. You watch Mayu and Takumi one. You watch Mayu and Takumi two, and you just you just enjoy it because there's no way you don't enjoy it unless you're just not a professional wrestling fan. End of story. So I wanted to take a second or two to talk quickly about the G1 Climax because we have a winner for the, I think this is the 30, 31st or 30th, either, I think it might be the 30th, and we have a back-to-back champion, and that's Cody Ibushi. He won back-to-back G1 Climax, this is the first person since, I believe, Inoki? I might be, I might be wrong, so don't quote me on that, but it's, it's an incredible, it's an impressive accomplishment, and my prediction before this was Jay White over Sonata, I got one half of that right, Jay White was very close to winning, but, uh, yeah, Coda, Coda won back-to-back, and I guess he was the safe pick, even though back-to-back sounds crazy, you know, um, I think I think it's a decent choice as long as you're crowning Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. If he's losing again, then it wasn't the right choice, in my opinion. Like, he has to win this time. And I know the G1 winner doesn't tend to win much, which I, I think is ridiculous, but whatever. And I, I, I want him only to win the world title. I don't want him to win the Intercontinental, because I really wish these titles would break up, and I didn't, I didn't even watch the final, I just know Kota won, and I wanted to touch on it real quick, and I want to, you know, process what the future holds, and safe bet is it's going to be him versus Kota Ibushi, uh, Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, probably night two, since it's a two-night event. I like it, I like it a lot, it's gonna be an excellent match. But it's a matter of who wins it, I think. Because I think Coda needs to win it. You can't have him win back-to-back G1s and fail both times. I think that's just too bad for his uh, career, if that's the case. And I'm very interested to see what happens to Jay White, as it looks like he could be nearing a babyface turn, which I am very excited for as a big fan of him. Um, and uh, Will Ospreay and Okada seem to be destined for Wrestle Kingdom as well, so... You know, good three matches there. If you do uh, White versus Evil for the 
Bullet Club, you know, whatever. And then you got Osprey and uh, Okada and the main event of Naito and Ibushi. So I think that's a really good, you know, big three matches. Moving on. Out of, uh, out of Japan talk as a whole, and we will be talking about, really quick, I want to just touch on one thing from this past week of SmackDown, one thing from Raw, and one thing from NXT, and then we'll be on to AEW talk. So that's exciting. Um, and then we'll finish up the show with Hell in a Cell predictions. So that's exciting as well. So I want to talk about SmackDown because this is where the New Day had their final match together as a group. For now, for now. It was called the New Day Farewell. And their promo in the ring was excellent as expected because, you know, this is what these three do. This is what they've always done. They've always been entertaining together. They've always been a class act. They've always been perfect together. So I suspected nothing less. And... Them talking about, you know, Kofi's rise to the WWE Championship was beautiful. And, you know, all the funny moments. And you could tell they weren't happy about it. Like, this was a move they weren't ready for. This was a move they didn't expect. And I think that's what made it so real. And I wrote I wrote an article for The Last Word on Sports, pro wrestling site, as I tend to do, um, detailing the everlasting legacy that is the New Day and how they they went from being three guys with nowhere to go to being three of the biggest stars of this decade, of this generation, and one of the most historic tag teams of all time. They had all these incredible matches with the Usos, the Bar, the Shield. Uh, I mean, you can go down the list. The Revival, like, they were... Nothing short of great together. And I think I think they have to be appreciated in the same light as the likes of, you know, The Shield. Because I know The Shield's the big one lately. Um, like, when it comes to groups, like, The New Day stood the test of time. They lasted over six years in the WWE of all companies. The WWE does not like to keep people together that long. No one. They move on. Like, they kept them together. And I do think it was the right move. I said that last week. I said it was the right move to move them apart. But it's still sad because what they've done is create this, like, perfect energy with their fans. You know, Woods has up, up, down, down. But without, I, f- I really do feel like without the New Day, that's not as big. And Kofi doesn't become WWE Championship uh, doesn't become WWE champion without New Day and Biggie. We don't know where Biggie would have been because he was mid. He was in the middling mid card, not able to be himself. So this really helped all their careers in completely different ways. Made them all-time tag champs. Maybe the best, one of if not the best tag teams in the history of WWE. I'm willing to call them the best. They put on match after match. They put on the one of the more entertaining title reigns, even when their challengers weren't always the best, um, when they, you know, broke the record. I, I love everything the New Day did. I love the farewell they had. I love their final match. I love their final embrace. Everything about them is just so easy to love. 
And I do want to applaud that right now because I feel like no one no one wants to see them go, but like we're kind of accepting it. So I just wanted to give them that love. Because the new day, the new day will forever be some a team in my heart that I keep close. Like in 20 years, when someone asks, "What's your favorite tag team of all time?" It's gonna be really hard for me to say anyone but the New Day. That's how that's how much I love them. You know, I love all three of them in different ways in terms of, you know, their careers. They all entertain me in different ways. You know, Xavier Woods. Gotta give him credit because he's the one that put his career on the line in WWE to make this group happen. Like, he told Vince McMahon, you can fire me if I can't turn Kofi heel. And he did that. That's what he did. That's how the New Day started. They were heel. And I think that's something you have to appreciate with Woods. Because without Woods, this group isn't a thing. Without Woods, he doesn't get Biggie, And they don't ask Kofi Kingston to take this, you know leap of faith with them because they're two, you know, remotely unproven guys at the time asking Kofi Kingston, who's a multi-time tag team champion, a multi-time intercontinental champion, a multi-time United States champion at that time. Like, that's, that's a big question for them. And, you know, he was willing to do that. And I think Woods has a lot of, he will, he won't get the, the respect. I feel like that the other two will get, but I've always been a Woods fan. He's uh, what he does with Up Up Down Down is some of the best work. I don't watch YouTube, but I watch Up Up Down Down. Like he's done great with that. Um, he's one of the best, and I want to give credit to Kofi Kingston for being the ultimate professional for so many years in the WWE. He he always deserved that title run, and I will say that is the best moment I've seen in wrestling. When it comes to storyline, when it comes to wins, like, it comes down to that moment because it felt so real, it was so real, that emotion as Woods cried in the ring and they embraced and Kofi was held above their high with the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 35. I think that's just one of the best stories ever. And people love Daniel Bryan. They love his story. But without Daniel Bryan living that story, this story with Kofi doesn't work as well because in the end, that's who Kofi had to beat. So I thought that was perfect, too. And uh, Kofi's always been one of those guys that you just have to cheer for. He's so likable. And, you know, his career has been Hall of Fame worthy. He's the most decorated tag team champion in WWE history. Like, that's that's impressive. When you think of all the t- people that have come through there, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian. The Hardys, like, he has the most combined days as a tag team champion in WWE history. And he's reigning as a tag team champion right now. That's so impressive. So, Kofi, Kofi has his, has all of his accolades he ever needs. I mean, I'd love to see him get another title run, but I don't think that's happening. And that's fine, because that one title run was enough. It was perfect. Everything was perfect about it. Like, the execution, the way it ended, not so much, but... For for that situation, it was about the chase, not the not the uh, rain. And then finally, Biggie. Biggie is a guy that I have talked about last week, the week before, as a future world champion, and he grew so much as part of this group. He went into that group uh, a boring, stale character 
who got his main gimmick in NXT taken away from him. He came off a brutal Intercontinental Championship run and was left to just kind of sit there. And that's a shame because he's an absolute beast in the ring. And he had all the athleticism in the world. He had the power game, but he needed that charisma. And joining the New Day gave him the charisma he needed, the charisma that they needed. And that's why he is in the spot he is now, because he is the complete package. He is everything you want in a world champion, in a guy to, f- to be the face of your company. And that's what I'm so excited to see moving forward. More than any of the three is Big E, because he, he is just so good, and I know he can rise to the top. I think he needs to win the Royal Rumble. I think he needs to go to WrestleMania, face Roman Reigns, and not only face Roman Reigns, but beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I know people want The Rock, and that's great and all. I understand the love of that. If we're going to do that, then take the title off of Roman, because I just don't... I want Big E to have his moment. I don't want Big E to be passed up. He doesn't deserve that again. Big E deserves his crowning moment. And, you know, the New Day as a whole, I just want to say one last time, they are such an incredible group. I went on a long conversation about the New Day, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, if you want to check out my legacy piece on them, go to lastwordonsports.com slash prowrestling. It's one of the first ones. I believe it's called uh, Powerful Positivity, The Lasting Legacy of the New Day. Check that out. Um, They'll really give you my thoughts about all their great moments and great matches and all that. So definitely check that out. The next thing I wanted to go on to real quick was Monday Night Raw and the use of retribution. Now, listen, I believe Mustafa Ali is one of the most talented guys in the company, and him being the leader is something that he can dig his teeth into, something that's worth it, something that gives him a shot to be on TV, and I love that. But what I don't love is that they already lost. T-Bar, a.k.a. Dominic Dijakovic, a.k.a. Dominic Dijak, Donovan Dijak, whatever the fuck his name is, he lost. He tapped out to Bobby Lashley in their first match. And then they got attacked by The Fiend after, which is something very interesting, and I don't know where that's going, so I'm very interested to see that long term. But you can't have Retribution lose there. I guess this is their second match. It's just, it's just not right. It's just not right. I mean, Mustafa Ali not getting pinned or submitted was fine. But he cuts this, like, amazing promo where he revealed himself as the hacker, not so shockingly. And it sucks because he's such a talented guy. He could have been one of your biggest baby faces if you let him be that. So I want Retribution to work. Solely because I want Mustafa Ali to have this shine. That's where I'm at. And I know it's going to be tough to turn this around. I still think they do. And I think what you have to do is have Mustafa Ali demand. They just beat down everyone. They have to look strong. They have to look strong. Maybe get rid of the stupid makeup and mask because it's just dumb. And, you know, get really gritty. Get kind of fall the way Nexus was built at the beginning. At the very beginning, they ran rough shot. They didn't care. They won. 
shockingly things before you know it all went crashing down and it burnt hurt inside you know it was it was terrible that end but you got to learn from your mistakes and you're already going down the mistake road of retribution you have been for a long time mustafa ali rose it back up and then a loss brings it back down like i don't need to see mustafa ali versus the fiend i don't need to see many people versus the fiend but i definitely don't need to see him losing to him i think Mustafa Ali has the potential to be a top heel on Raw, a top heel they need, because once Randy Orton's gone, I don't know who goes for that WWE Championship. I do not. I don't. I don't. Unless Randy Orton wins, and then Drew McIntyre just is left there for no reason, which I do not think should happen. I just don't know who goes after Drew, and if you build up Mustafa Ali, you have someone to face Drew. So I think that's what you got to start doing. You know, you got to start building towards Mustafa Ali being this big heel. He's not a coward. He brings his group, and his group just beats everyone down. That's how you fix this. And I want this fixed because it's stupid otherwise. And that's that's just all I had to say about Retribution. We're moving on to NXT. But, yeah, I just, uh, I just want Mustafa Ali to be treated right. That's all I want. So on to NXT. A lot of good action this week. Um, you know, they teased the big Halloween Havoc episode next week, which I'm very excited for. Uh, got some good title matches on there. So uh, we got a Haunted House match or something crazy. So that's going to be pretty cool. But what I am here to talk about is the new NXT champions, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. And yes... If you remember, it was supposed to be the Undisputed Era versus Brizango. The Undisputed Era is Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish, to be exact. They got beaten down in the back, much like, much like Adam Cole did. And they kind of tried to tease you, like, oh my god, Kyle O'Reilly did this. Was it him? Because he was the only one left standing after all this. But Kyle said no to teaming with either Oni or Danny. That he left. He just was like, I'm going to the hospital with them. Oni and Danny step in. So it's having the match. All's going well. You know, clean match. Pretty good match. Going back and forth. Then this masked man pops out of the uh, from under the ring. Pushes Fandango off the top rope as uh, Brizango's closing on the win. Leaving Tyler Breeze uh, motionless as the referee is not looking. Danny Burch hits Tyler Breeze with the low blow, and they hit their uh, raised DDT finish to win the tag team titles. And don't get me wrong, I was so happy for Oni Lorcan. Big fan of him, have been for years, and, you know, he really deserved a title after all this time. But I was very confused. I was like, why do we have to do this to Breeze's Hango of all teams? I love them. They deserve this too. And I guess they'll be fine, you know. They were never destined for this long uh, title reign, so that's fine. But I guess the bigger story is clear, and that's after the match. The masked man comes into the ring, clearly their leader of sorts, and their leader of sorts was the one and only Pat McAfee, baby. Yeah, that's going to piss a lot of people off, but... We we should have known Pat was coming back because everything he did in his first, you know, little little run against Adam Cole, to me, to me, for a first time wrestler never really doing this, was perfect. 
He's so good on the mic. He's, you know, he's charismatic as hell. He had this great role. And then he had an awesome match. He had an awesome match. And Ridge Holland, you know, beat down Adam Cole. And everyone was like, who is the paid man? Who's paying him? Clearly it should be, you know, the former NFL player who has all the money to pay. You know, that makes sense. And I'm, the only thing I'm upset about is that this potential group that they were giving Pat McAfee was going to be pretty solid. It was going to be McAfee, clearly, Lorkin, Birch, and Ridge Holland. Like, that would have been a kick-ass group. That would have been a rough and tough group. You know, with McAfee talking his, talking his life out, probably not wrestling that much until the big match. And I think that would have been awesome. I'm so sad Bridge isn't included. I'm gonna, I'm interested to see who they add to him because they're gonna need a fourth guy. Because clearly this is all going to um, either a takeover down the line. You know they could sell the injuries for a few weeks and they could do it in the takeover during December, or you know they could do it on the on the TV show. You know they could do that too. But clearly this is going down the line to the four undisputed era people against. Four of Pat's guys. And I'm very, very intrigued to see what that does. I like I like this move. It's a move that I think NXT needed to, you know, give the Undisputed Era something to do. Because they clearly weren't gonna move them up. So you can't you can't not have them doing anything if you're gonna leave them on TV. And I think this is gonna be really interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's all I have for NXT talk. We have a lot of AEW talk before prediction time, so let's jump right in. This week on AEW, they began the, what was it? what did they start? Oh, the uh, AEW World Title Number One Contender Tournament. And this is something I really wanted to talk about because two matches in particular really caught my eye. Three, I guess. I really liked Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, but I want to talk about these two other matches. Um... First off is Kenny Omega's match. We'll say match in air quotes because it lasted maybe 20 seconds and it lasted just as long as it was supposed to be because this is the Kenny Omega we all wanted to see. This is the Kenny Omega that's the best and that's the cleaner version of Kenny Omega. And when I say cleaner, I don't mean like, oh, he's a PG version. No, he is the cleaner, the version that got him to the top in New Japan and this was perfect. He faced Sonny Kiss instead of Joey Janela because Joey Janela was near uh, AJ Gray at an independent show and AJ Gray had COVID because they, you know, they wrestled. Whatever, you pull Joey Janela from the match completely understandable. I think this match goes the same way no matter who Kenny Omega was facing. Kenny Omega nails Sonny Kiss right off the bat with a V-trigger. Bang. Dead. Done. See you later. Picks him up. V, not V-trigger. One-winged angel. One, two, three. Has this look on his face of just, what did you guys expect me to do? And he's always been good at tournaments. I think he said something like that on BTE and clearly that's true. Uh, this was, this was the perfect Kenny Omega. He had this long, epic entrance, heelish entrance, which was so much longer than the damn match itself. And I think that's, that's what mattered. And this was just so great. And I wanted to applaud that. I wanted to applaud this change in Kenny because we all want Kenny back to the best version he can possibly be. And I think we're getting that. Clearly the finals are going to be Kenny versus Hangman. That's going to slap Kenny should win this whole tournament. Kenny should go on to win the AEW world title from Jon Moxley as this heel, as a super arrogant guy, because 
that's just the best version of Kenny when it comes to professional wrestling. I don't care what anyone says. I wrote about it, and I'm going to stick by it. So, that's that. And the other thing I want to talk about in AEW, actually, the other match before the one big thing I wanted to talk about was Pentagon versus Phoenix. And I feel like I'm not the I know I'm not the only one that's been saying the Lucha Bros have been vastly underappreciated in AEW during their time there. They haven't been tag champs. Crime. They uh, they haven't really been featured on TV much. Crime. They haven't been really featured in singles competition. Crime. Like, there is a lot of bad decisions here when it comes to Lucha Bros. And then they put them in this tournament. Brilliant idea. Check one. They put them against each other. Odd idea, but great idea. Because you know they're going to have a banger of a match. And that's what they did. One of the most entertaining matches of the year. Perhaps the best TV match of the year. You know, there's a lot of matches every year. So I'm going to have to go back and, you know, double check that. But this was an absolute brawl between these two. Uh, Pentagon, Phoenix, kicking each other's asses. It was fantastic. And I feel like the ending of this match was insane because I was not ready for it. He just pulled this um, Canadian Destroyer out of nowhere. Pin Pentagon, one, two, three, that being Phoenix. And these two are so good. And I feel like we have to put Phoenix in that best wrestler, at least male wrestler in the world conversation. Because... 10 times out of 10, this guy does things I've never seen before. Or even when he does things he's done before, I'm like, how? How do you how do you do that? And I love Pentagon. I love his charisma, his character. That's what he has. And, you know, Phoenix has the more in-ring crazy ability. But they're so perfect together. But they're even better apart, I think. I think they're both main event stars that AEW has at their disposal. And they need to use them rather than... You know, focus on people like, I'm going to piss some people off here, but uh, Darby Allen. Like, I think Darby Allen's good, but I think Phoenix is better. I think Pentagon's better. I think they deserve that spot just as much as Darby Allen. And I like Darby Allen. I think Darby Allen's a very good professional wrestler. I think he has this cool thing about him. But why aren't we, why aren't we giving Pentagon Phoenix the same chances, you know? That's what I'm just saying here. And I think moving forward after they had this incredible match, you have to try that. You have to give them that shot. You have to roll with them. I don't know how you don't. I mean, I like their partnership with Eddie Kingston to an extent, but at the same time, they deserve to shine. They don't They don't need to be yelling at each other. They don't need to hate each other. They need to run. They need to shine on their own as single stars, even as a team, like they can support each other. But as single stars, they have so much potential. I think that's something AEW's probably starting to see because, you know, they put them in this tournament. And uh, the big excitement is that next week, we're probably getting two more kick-ass matches. We're getting Hangman versus Wardlow. That could be awesome. And the bigger match, of course, is Phoenix versus Kenny Omega, which we've seen before, but this is completely different because Kenny has altered his character and, you know, that, that comes with a more aggressive style, and I think that fits Kenny better, especially in a match against Phoenix. So I, I'm very excited for that. That's going to be great. And here's the final here's the final thing I want to say about AEW, and it's going to come off really bad, but I don't, I don't care about FTR. I don't. 
I didn't really care too much about them in WWE. I did in NXT because they were really good there. And, you know, they helped that tag division. They have one of, if not my favorite tag team matches of all time with uh, DIY, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa at TakeOver Toronto. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen. But I don't care for their character. I don't care that they're finally getting this match with the Young Bucks like I once did because I think they've kind of been shoved down our throats to an extent. They're not that good to, you know, be leading these major feuds to, in my eyes. I don't know. It might just be me, but I they, they released this t-shirt, which I feel like everyone remembers the tweets by now, which is... Which... Which is... I forgot my train of thought. That's that's rough. That's rough. Oh, okay. Back to the okay. So the tweets. You know they both said they both tweeted. One day we'll wrestle the young bucks and people will rejoice. One day we'll wrestle the revival. That's what it said, even though they wrote FTR and people will rejoice. Yeah, that was true. But I don't feel that way anymore. It's going to happen. And I don't feel that way. And that's because the Revival haven't had that great of tag team matches since joining AEW. And I guess I, it's fair to say that the Young Bucks haven't had that many good matches as of late. But I know the Young Bucks can still perform. I mean, just look at Hangman, versus, and, Hangman and Kenny versus them. That was the best AEW match of the year, perhaps. If I'm forgetting something, I'm sorry. Get over it. Uh, I probably am. I think there was a really good match just recently, so that's my bad. But either way, doesn't really matter. That's not the conversation at hand. The conversation at hand is that FTR and Young Bucks is a great match. It's not a dream match. A dream match, a true dream match, a true, true dream match is the New Day versus the Elite. And anyone that disagrees with me can go can just, you know, cry me a river. That's a true dream match, not FTR versus the Young Bucks. Even even just the New Day versus the Young Bucks, is a, I think, would be a better match either way. But, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not interested in seeing this tag match because it's probably going to be good. But I'm going to temper my expectations because I just don't think the Revival's been that great since joining AEW. I don't, I don't really care too much about them. And, you know, they're getting, they got pushed too fast. I think, I think a natural run would have been better. So I'm looking forward to that match, but at the same time, meh, meh. Uh, yeah, so that's it for my AEW thoughts. It's been a while since I gave real AEW thoughts. We'll try to move those in moving forward as well as stardom in WWE, you know, consistently so here is our final talk of the night back to wwe of course and that is the hell in a cell predictions so as of this recording there are four matches scheduled four but three of them are cell matches and those are the big three matches of the night so i felt pretty confident in just doing these three uh sorry four anyways so we'll start off with the boring match, which is Jeff Hardy versus Elias in the match of you didn't hit me with your car, but you did, so I'm going to hit you with a guitar. 
Yeah, that's what the match is. Um, I think Elias wins. He just came back. Jeff doesn't really need the win necessarily against Elias. But I do think it's uh, we're going to get to a point where we do need to push Jeff as a you know champion contender. Because I think Drew versus Jeff would be some fun stuff. Uh, I mean, it's babyface versus babyface, but sometimes those are great feuds. Um, yeah, but I think Elias needs to win this. Elias could set himself up as a challenger for Drew. I mean, for a one-off maybe. I don't want to see it, but it's possible. So we'll act like it is. Remember, they had that uh, kind of partnership with uh, Shane McMahon back in the day, which was terrible. So that's always possible. Uh, but we're going to go on to the big three Hell in a Cell matches. One being the Raw one, which is Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Finally, this feud is going to end. If it doesn't, I'm going to be very upset. Because this feud has sucked for the better part of the past month and a half. Month and a half. I liked it originally for the SummerSlam match. And then everything after that has just been junk. So, so yeah. I'll give it a month and a half. Uh... I want to tend. I just want to tend. I, I think this match is going to be pretty good. Because Randy Orton is very good in these sadistic stipulation matches, as much as I like to say. And I think Drew is just very good in any setting, but especially a setting where he can be more of a brawler. Uh, I'm picking Drew to win, and that's mostly because I want him to win. I don't want Randy Orton to be WWE Champion. I don't think he needs to be WWE Champion. And this will only enhance Drew's Rain, just like it kind of did for Kofi before Kofi got squashed by Brock last year. If they do that to Drew, then I will scream. But yeah, I want Drew to move on to a new challenger. I want Randy to kind of go down a different avenue. Like, him losing again could twist him, kind of go sadistic. could be very interesting where you could go with Randy. Because maybe Randy wants time off. Maybe you kind of write him off a little bit. After this Hell in a Cell, give him a month off, then he comes back. That's also a possibility. And, you know, Edge should be nearing his comeback within the next few months, so there's always that to go back to because, you know, they're tied, so they have to finish that. And that's that for that match. Let's move on to the real two big matches of the night. First off being Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso in a first-time-ever I Quit Hell in a Cell match. For the Universal Championship. I think this match is not only going to be a wonderful telling of a story. Just like their first was. But it's going to be hard hitting. It's going to be intense. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be uncomfortable. And I think that's everything you need from this match. I Quit matches are a unique a unique style match. A unique one to tell. But inside a Hell in a Cell I think it's perfect. And I kind of... I'm very intrigued by what it could lead to. What Roman could put Jay through, what fight Jay could show towards Roman. We're going to learn his consequences on SmackDown, so as of this recording, I don't know those. But either way, I'm going to pick Roman Reigns to win the Tribal Chief, your Tribal Chief to be exact. And I think this match has a real, real opportunity to somehow one-up their first match, which is my highest rated match of the year for WWE in terms of what I remember and when I started rating matches. So, very excited for that. And then there is the main event of the evening in my book, in anyone's book, I hope, and that is Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Finally, 
after all these months, after great storytelling, after great going back and forth, after great tag team, after the golden role models, you know, they were together for pretty much a year on television. Like, in this newer, like, with Bailey as a heel, because, you know, they were on television a lot during that. But we're finally getting the big singles match between these two. And Bailey's going in as the heel. Who would have thunk? Sasha going in as the baby face. And it's going to be inside Hell in a Cell for the SmackDown Women's Championship. If you remember last year, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch had a phenomenal Hell in a Cell match. Phenomenal. I still stunned Sasha Banks didn't beat Becky. But here we are. And the only way this match should end, if this is going to be the cutoff of their feud for now, is with Sasha Banks walking out as SmackDown Women's Champion. She deserves a long, true title reign. She deserves it. Get her to WrestleMania. That's a decent long title reign. Get her even further. Maybe even to SummerSlam. That's a real title reign. She deserves one. She's been so good for so long. And don't get me wrong, I have sung the praises of Bailey for weeks, for weeks, for months, for weeks, whatever you want to call it. Bailey is one of my favorite in the world. I think she's been one of the best. But her and Sasha have done so good together and apart. And I'm only looking forward to this match more and more. And last time, you know, last time they had this show-stealing match. We'll never forget it. NXT Brooklyn. They stole the show. They stole the show when they weren't supposed to. And I think WWE is smart enough not to put them off. Not to not put them on last this time. Because when you did that in Brooklyn, no one really cared too much about the Finn Balor versus Kevin, Oma- Kevin Owens ladder match as much. No one remembers that match. Everyone remembers this match. And I think these two deserve that main event. They carry WWE for the past year. And now it's their time. It's their time to main event. Because if you're not doing this match on WrestleMania, you have to do this in the main event in the most sadistic way possible. That is Hell in a Cell. This match has the makings of one of the best. I'm very excited to see what this does, and this has to be the main event with Sasha Banks going over, winning, finally winning that title, beating Bailey in the process, and then that can send Bailey down a road that we haven't seen her yet because she hasn't been healed without the title. So I'm very excited to see what that happens, and I'm very, very much looking forward to Sasha Banks having a championship run where she's not scared of just dropping the title. That would be great, too. So... Those are my Hell in a Cell predictions. The show is this Sunday, live on the WWE Network. And that's it for my show. Um, We went a lot longer than I expected to because, you know, I kind of just drew this really quickly together because I wanted to make sure I got these predictions in and I wanted to talk about a few things from here. So, yeah, that's it. I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you, you know, share your thoughts about some AEW things. Perhaps you go out of your way to watch the Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha match. You know, all these things are possible, and I think these are things you should follow through with. So, yeah, that's me. Uh, enjoy. I hope you enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the pay-per-views this week. We got. We don't only have... Hell in a Cell, but we also have Bound for Glory, Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory, with Deanna Perrazzo defending the Knockouts 
Championship against Kylie Ray. That's a match I'm going out of my way to find, to watch somehow, some way. So I will be talking about that next week. I will be talking about the Hell in a Cell results next week and all that good stuff. So until then, have a safe week, everyone. Wear your masks, all that good stuff. And I'll uh, I'll talk to you next week. So so long, guys.